0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the PLU Podcast. My name is Zach Powers. I work in PLU's Division of Marketing and Communication. Today I'm joined by Dr. Terry Bergeson, who this past summer was named the Interim Dean of the PLU School of Education and Kinesiology. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Zach.
0: So just to start, you've worked at so many different levels and different (laughs) spaces of K through 12 education, beginning as a counselor at Galt and Lincoln High School here in Tacoma and executive director of Central Kitsap School District and president of the Washington Teachers Union. And then, of course, three terms as superintendent of public instruction for the entire state of Washington. I'm wondering, what do you think your core gifts and talents are that lend themselves so well to all these different spaces within education?
1: If I go back way to the very beginning, it was on Cape Cod where I grew up. I taught swimming one summer and like a little summer camp for kids. And there was a boy whose parents were pushing him hard to learn to be a swimmer and he refused to learn to swim. And his name was Andy. And I, I said, Well, just come down to the beach with me, Andy. And, I, and then we had, he was like 10, and the kids were like six and seven. I said, Would you be willing to be my assistant, Andy, and just kind of help me help these younger children? So he started helping me, and he learned to swim. And he was demonstrating things, and he'd watch me demonstrate, and I just watched him light up this new skill. And I thought, ooh, that was beautiful. I love kids. I love, I love to help people see a connection that they need to be empowered beyond me to do something in their life that they want to do. And I've always been fascinated not only with the children but their families and the. The different communities and how the communities affect the education that kids have. And I've been in a lot of fights in my life to sort of make things more equitable and fair. So I think what I bring really is, first of all, a love of people and learning and and teaching is part of learning. And and I'm a leader, too. I like, to, I like to lead things. I like to bring people together to get stuff accomplished. So no matter where I was in the K-12 system or the union leadership or here, um, to be in a community with a team and some really good goals to work on, that's what I love.
0: What are some of the qualities that you think makes a great educator?
1: For me, the world is filled with two big groups, people who like to control people and people who like to engage and empower people. And I think a good teacher has to be open to know they don't know everything and be interested in helping someone else or some group, whether they're adults or children, learn how to make different connections and find their power inside themselves. If you don't have that attitude about people and respect, curiosity about who's inside of that young person or that um, emerging teacher and how do I help that person find their pathway then you can have the content, and the content, knowing your content and knowing how to deliver content in a way that engages kids is critical. You can learn those skills, but you've got to start with an attitude about people that's strong and positive.
0: How does that manifest leading an entire school of education and kinesiology where you're interacting with, with faculty and the students are sort of a, a section away, right, because you're managing right, right. Um, all these people who are working with the students. What's the relationship with faculty for someone who's um, a dean of a school, and how do you have an effect on students?
1: I love the direct work with students, so I've, I volunteered uh, to go over in Oct- early October to help our community engagement folks with some facilitation and teaching of people that want to be tutors. Um, but the the dean... The the faculty and the staff as a team in the Department of Education and in the Department of Kinesiology, they are trying to accomplish something to make learning happen for their students. So the way I can help those students is to help create the kind of community at the faculty-staff level that supports caring, openness to learn, curiosity, support of people – And I came in this summer and just, first of all, started to get to know. I came in a couple of weeks early to just get to know people, to see who works here and how do they feel about their jobs and what do we do here. And I had people make me pictures and schematics of what the – I said, let's start with the students because they're the point of our work. So what does this look like to a student to go through our undergraduate program? I don't want to look at a bunch of spreadsheets. I want some visual graphics that shows me – What's their journey that they go on? And then we could share those. Now we're sharing the, some of those graphics. And people were excited to see it. And then I started to meet the faculty because the faculty, a lot of them are gone in the in the summertime. But some were doing summer school work because of what we do with teaching certification programs that we start up in the summertime. So I spent time individually and I spent time listening to our team, getting some of the history and then learning this system at PLU because there's we're, we're nested inside of a complicated university system, and I had to learn a lot. I still have a lot to learn about that. I'm, I only know enough to be dangerous now, but I, I, you know, I, I first met the deans and the directors of the different programs, and then I realized what the president's council was, and they actually make the decisions about who you get to hire and what kind of budget and things. I thought, ooh, if I'm going to advocate for my guys in my department, then I have to understand how decisions get made here. And so that is my job is to be a broker kind of between the honchos of the university and the structures that affect what those faculty members and staff do day to day on their job. And if I can help that come together in a positive way, then I know the students are going to get a much better experience. So that's why I keep touch with the students. And I'm gonna I'm gonna start a student advisory committee because I would like a small group of students who would be willing to sit down and think with me about what do we do in our program? How's the whole program working for you? Not about individual faculty and in their classes, but what's working? What we could what could we do better? What ideas do you have about how we could make our program stronger?
0: So is the process of entering this space and auditing and analyzing the system did you find yourself asking the same questions as when you became the executive director of the you know, Central Kitsap School District, and I realized that, I think that was decades ago, but no, then also no, no. Uh, when you became the superintendent of, of the state, I mean, that system is a thousand times bigger. But I mean, do you a find yourself <laughs> these questions are kind of fundamental that you're curious they about? Are,
1: it, to me, one of the things I've learned in my career through a couple of really good mentors is that we are in systems and systems have elements to them. The community has families and they have um, – and the children. The The whole point of our communities is to raise our children and build a community where people can be healthy and, and successful and work together. So we've got families and then we've got our schools in the K-12 system and then we have higher education. We have the business community and all the economic um, foundation they do and then we have government. So you've got five big chunks and. Whether you're in a community, like I was in Central Kitsap, where we were unincorporated, kind of like around here, I found out that the government system there was very different than what I was used to, and the schools and the higher ed community. But going in and figuring out what what impinges on a teacher as they try to deliver a good education to their children, what what conditions in that larger system are going to affect the way we do our job. And the more I can... Uh, sort of immerse myself in understanding that, the smarter I can be in my job as executive director, helping the principals do a good job. Or when I was the union president, I mean, I was the head of the teachers union, but I was also the head of a corporate board in a $20 million organization. And we had a union inside the union that was a couple of times when I was president, was ready to go on strike. So I had all these different roles and um, the patterns of that it still comes down to people. It still comes down to some kind of politics and people trying to figure out how to make the stuff work for them that they're supposed to be doing. And some people want to make that work in a way that isn't going to work for everybody else, and other people really want it to grow and and, and, and be really cool. So assessing that is a fascinating puzzle to me. Every place I've ever worked, um, it's helped me to understand who does what around here? Who makes the decisions? Why do they make those kind of decisions? What affects them? Like, we're, a pri- I've never been in a private university before, and, and we depend on the students coming and our enrollment revenue and our advancement, the, the, the donations mm-hmm. we get, um, and some grants and stuff. And so we're in a different place than the public institutions that I've worked in that have public money. That affects everything we do but it it doesn't it shouldn't change our mission. it shouldn't change the learning mission that we have.
0: why does it make sense that education and kinesiology share a school and has there been kind of a learning curve for you for the kinesiology side as far as the curriculum or methodology or the different outputs that that program is aiming to to hit
1: Well that's a fascinating question and i i'm I have so much to learn um, but I started, when I heard they were together, I thought, I wonder how that happened. I wonder, um, and I thought about physical education and movement and dance, and part of what I did before I became state superintendent is I ran the, um, the achievement reform agenda, and we built standards in all the different content areas, including health and fitness. So I learned a lot from... The community people, the educators that were in those groups, so I could see the connection of physical health and movement and also the wellness part of kinesiology, that physical health contributes to emotional health. Physical health is the stamina for us. So if you can learn more and more about how to enjoy physical movement and have it contribute to your health, and then help you focus your own goals, all the teamwork that we do. I I had a wonderful discussion last Friday with the faculty um, from kinesiology and the staff, and um, Colleen Hacker was telling me about some of the things that she does in her career, and that everybody in the group—we just we spent three hours together—and they told me what their passion was and their different interests. It's an emerging field where people are realizing in corporate structures, so it's like their 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 target group is a lot in the private sector versus public schools. Although Terry Ferrar and a couple other folks work with us in physical education in the schools, there is also an awareness of the corporations that physical well-being will make a more productive employee and they go bingo perhaps we want to learn more about that so we have a flourishing school here it's probably one of the fastest growing um, mm-hmm. kinesiology departments in the country and you know kinesiology is an interdependent a very integrated structure of science of the the kind of health issues that nursing would be interested in the education issues so as that um, field expands, um, it's, it, one of the things that I'm interested in helping them do is find out what is the right place for them here. Is it where we are, or is, it a, is there a different place that has a better fit? But I'm a learner, and I, it's fascinating.
0: We'll be right back with alumni questions for Dr. Bergeson. Featuring video testimony from 16 PLU students, faculty members, and staff. PLU's Listen campaign is a collection of individual stories that provide multiple perspectives on what it means to be a community that not only embraces diversity, but also works actively in community to provide social change. Learn more at PLU.edu slash listen. We had PLU alumni submit questions to ask you about your pedagogical philosophies, and your career. And so I just want to spend the rest of our time getting through as many of these questions as we can. (laughs) Yeah. So just to start, uh, and I'm going to share who the alumni are and and kind of where they are in education and in the community. Uh, Willie Painter, who's a 2006 graduate from PLU and a public information officer at Franklin Pierce School District, asked, of all the places at which an accomplished professional and leader such as yourself could choose to serve, why PLU?
1: Well, I met Willie just briefly when I first, just before I started, I was out scouting oh, with Frank right. Ewan and the Franklin Pierce district because I know all the districts from my time as state superintendent. What really drew me to PLU was the mission of the place. I read the mission, and um, it's so much about. Service, leadership, caring, caring for other people, caring for their community, and caring for the earth. It's a very beautiful mission. And so I came to one of the TEDx things. You guys did a TEDx last spring. And I thought, well, I shouldn't be running around campus asking a lot of questions, but I could go to this TEDx and see who shows up, who runs it, what's it like. And I was so impressed that the students had such a key role in running it. And there were controversial topics, including a young woman who had her eight minutes for her talk, and she had been sexually assaulted, and the administration hadn't helped her properly. And she had her eight minutes live to talk about that. And you can look around this campus, and I had to go through training as soon as I got here about um, what you do to take care of people and how you report problems and how you help the students. So I thought if they have the courage to the administration to let a young woman express her pain and what she wants this university to do, that's the kind of place I would like to work. And it's small enough, and I just I, I think you guys are trying to walk your talk, and I would like to be part of that.
0: That's great. You are? <laughs> <laughs> yep. The next question is from Lauren Freeriks, who's a school counselor at Keithley Middle School. So she wrote a question about teachers that struggle the most early on are perhaps teachers that didn't realize what they were getting themselves into and didn't yeah. realize everything that that comes along with teaching. And so her question is about how could the School of Education create intentional connections with schools, not only in Parkland, but in all sorts of types of neighborhoods in, in Pierce County and the South Sound and beyond, and how education students can be pushed to experience the world of teaching as early in the program as possible.
1: That's a great question. and And my Background, I went from teaching into school counseling, and just that interest in in the students the families this how we 're working together. Um, Franklin Pierce is a community that has a lot of challenges it's a beautiful school district and a community that really cares a lot, but there's a um, need for support services for families, and as you said, many of our students may come out of situations where they don 't realize. Who walks in that door? If there's 25 kids in their second grade class or 120 kids that they're seeing in a middle school during the course of the day, how many of those kids come in with struggles in their lives? So one of the strengths of the program here at PLU is that um, in their junior year when students begin the program, they're out in schools immediately. And in the summertime, they go to the Hope Center in Tacoma, and they learn about some of the issues with struggling families in Tacoma. One of the students said she wished some of her fellow students had appreciated that experience more she She's been quite involved with, she and in her own life experiences had struggles, so she understood that experience and Just her feedback said to me, "Maybe we need people to understand why they're going to the Hope Center." But then they're out in schools, whether it's Franklin Pierce or Bethel or um, Sumner or Eatonville or Puyallup, wherever they go, and then they stay for two full years in schools, and it gets a deeper and deeper experience. And they work with a cooperating teacher, and they have a chance to look at other classes in the school. And I, I was talking with, with Joel, who runs the community engagement here on campus, and that well, that's the thing in October that I'm going to go to with the tutors. Young students that haven't chosen education, one of the reasons I'm going that day is I want people that are interested in kids helping to tutor or mentor students that are struggling. I want to get to know them, and I want to get them to think about, you know, you could be a teacher. You could If you have that attitude and caring, um, you could start with this tutoring experience, and let's stay in touch this year, and maybe you want to choose to go into teaching. So you have to be out there. And you have to be able, in the seminars that we offer through our faculty back on campus, we have to be able to debrief with them what did you see out there? What's the difference between what we were talking about in class and what happened in your school? And then part of my goal is to build deeper partnerships with districts like Franklin Pierce, so that because what's happening in schools is so different today than it was even five years, 10 years ago. No Child Left Behind has created some real problems um, in terms of morale and compliance orientation as opposed to the the excitement of learning with real accountability, but not deadening accountability. So how do we hook up with the districts that are trying to contend with that? And we help them and they help us by helping us get our kids into places where they've got teachers who are doing those daily miracles. And our kids, our students, they're not kids, they're... Talking like they're high school kids; these are young adults that are going out, but they need that experience, and they need to be able to reflect about it.
0: Yeah, that makes that's a kind of long winded answer, but that's fine. That's great. Annalise Gabriel Kellogg, who graduated in two thousand eleven, and is the contemporary music director at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Clifton Park, New York. And also to add, previous to that was. The, a music teacher and I think the band director at Keithley Middle School. It's kind oh. of a little, I don't know, this is just a... <laughs> Got flick- a good
1: active group at Keithley.
0: <laughs> I think we, do, we must. She uh, asked a question around placing students in their student teaching opportunities and how PLU professors that do that effectively requires PLU faculty members to understand their students as well as the teachers in the community and the schools in the community. And her question kind of ends with, what steps are taken, if any, to make sure that personalities, teaching styles, classroom and school environment and culture are all a match for students to kind of go in and get the most out of those experiences.
1: The way the program works right now, there's a person who coordinates all the field placements and she works with the human resource office in a school district. So Keith Lee, the person at the, at the district office that handles all the personnel things. Helps to talk with the principals, talk about what who the students are that we have, and where there might be some good matches and Where that relationship is strong, then we open up placements, and then the students come in. We have to do that early on, so part of the problem is figuring out in the spring we'll be looking for new placements, but the students haven't started till that summer so then how do we if this this uh, last couple of weeks those students are out for the first time and uh, the faculty hasn't even gotten a chance to get to know them. Now these are not these are not um real internships where they're taking over the class. These are their first um shots that they when they go out. So then we have a chance to get to know each other and we're going to do a better job of that. Sometimes those functions have been too separated. The faculty and the supervisors and the and the the most critical person in this mix is that cooperating teacher who's willing to take a student in and help them grow. They need support. And uh, that's one of, when I talk about working more in partnership with the district, it's exactly to get at this question. How do we make a more uh, organic connection between the student that's interested in a certain thing, and they may be still trying to explore that, so you don't know in the beginning, but how do we give them experiences that are rich and connected with who they are? And that's I think um, all those different functions are different. But the w- place they come together is when that student goes out into school. Are they in the right place? Does the teacher that is receiving them have that support that they need? Does are people happy to have them come? Do they really want to do this? And and how can we get a win-win to happen? Because then the student, our student in the in the program, will win, and the kids they teach will win.
0: Absolutely. Our next question is from DJ Caristomo, who graduated in 2000, oh, excuse me, not two. Uh, 1999. And he's the pre-college coordinator at University of Washington, Tacoma. Oh. And um, he, he wrote, uh, teachers are in a unique position to be more than just an educator. Often teachers can be mentors, father and mother figures, etc. How does, can the School of Education prepare students to excel in these ro- uh, in these roles? And does that or can that involve recommending other general education courses, social work, psychology, or other spaces that can equip teachers to meet these full needs of, of students. So to kind of
1: do some pre-steps before they ever get into the program. I think the question is, is,
0: is that part of it? Or how do, how do we prepare future well, for teachers instance, for that Well, for instance, this role?
1: summer, we, we reorganize the way our uh, – we have our staff group, and then we have the faculty group. And in education, there are a lot of rules that teachers have to follow to get into – to get to and finish the certification process and be actually legally able to teach. At the front end, Ryan, one of the young people that works with me, is going to be coordinating our admitting and our advising. And he's volunteered with Hal over in the student advising office that any freshman that comes in that's interested in education, he will be their advisor. So I've been watching, I've seen 10 students come through our office in the last week or so since they had the first, he met with all the students that expressed any interest He's helping them see the courses that they could take in their undergraduate work. He's helping them to see the pathway they're going to be following if they go into the teaching program as an undergraduate. Now, Ryan can't do that by himself, but as he gets to know them, if they are interested, we're going to do something in October on the campus to bring students that have expressed an interest together. And we're going to get the student teachers that are in the field to come in, um, some of the people that are recent graduates that are now teaching to talk about their experiences. and then. I know that whenever I'm involved in helping plan that, the whole affective domain, the whole how do you how do you relate as a teacher to the students that you have? Can you get in their frame of reference? Because if you can't enter their frame of reference, that's where learning starts. Mm -hmm. It doesn't start with the teacher. It starts with a lesson and a goal the teacher has for the teacher, but for the student, you got to hook them. You got to get them engaged in what it is that you're trying to teach them, and then. As they engage, you start to know them as a person more. And that is built into a lot of the teaching we do in the classes, but we have to make that connection again back to that link between what happens in the classroom with our faculty members and how they're advising and supporting the students and what's happening out in the school and how do we become more of a unified support system. And then that will happen because you can't you can't miss – The whole person out there, when you get a a room full of students, you've got to find a way to process the person as well as the content you're trying to teach them.
0: We'll be right back with Dr. Bergeson. On Open to Interpretation, host and PLU communication professor Amy Young is joined by PLU faculty members to discuss a single word commonly used in the news, on social media, and on college campuses. Past episodes include discussion of words like advocacy, climate, protest, and gender. Listen to episodes of Open to Interpretation and other PLU podcasts by subscribing to PLU Audio on iTunes or by visiting plu.edu slash audio. Our next question is from Shay Eeks, who is the district math lead uh, for Federal Way Public Schools and has also taught math and social studies and technology at the middle school level in Federal Way. He graduated in 2010 and then uh, earned his... MA in Education in 2011, he writes, with the ESSA, which I had to ask Terry before the podcast, means Every Student Succeeds Act, with that being passed, is PLU making any adjustments to the secondary program to ensure its candidates are fulfilling the necessary requirements and being endorsed in the subjects they wish to teach in? And he gives some background info. For my son, that's very helpful to me, and also I'm sure people listening, uh, which is that teachers used to simply have to take a state subject test, and if they passed, they were deemed highly capable to teach that through the No Child Left Behind Act. And uh, if you were certified in that grade range and you passed the test, you could teach something. Now that process is slightly more- um, A little more flexible. A little, a little more flexible. Yeah, yeah. So Hickus' question is, is the program evolving kind of along with these policies- I'm sure the answer must be yes, but what does that look well, like?
1: Well, the, the, it's interesting. It's That's um, a question that um, when... The, it's I, pretty wonky I, I wish, question. That's well, kind no, of a curveball. Well, no, but the, 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 it's a pretty wonky subject, and it's driven what is, as I was mentioning to you, the ESSA is now that it's called Used to Be No Child Left Behind. So this is like a new version where some of the worst accountability measures that were just plain onerous and Adequate yearly progress. We needed accountability, but they went nuts with it, and it was too punitive. And the highly qualified teacher section of that, educator section, is what he's talking about. So that's been modified to give the districts more flexibility that you're not completely – Bound, but those rules are it, it, one of the things that I'm doing is going down to SPI to ta- the state superintendent's office to say, What are you guys doing about this now? Because we have a lot of rules on the book in Washington. I was all excited when Patty Murray won the deal to fix No Child Left Behind, and then I realized. Over this last 10 years, all that compliance stuff has seeped into our state board rules, the standards board, all these places. And we've got to root out the stuff that is in the way that we don't need to do anymore. Part of the reason I wanted to get back in the game educationally is to have a platform, even though it's in higher ed, not in K-12, to say let's be sensible about this. Let's sure. let's get teachers the content knowledge they need through their coursework, through um and they have to take a content exam still from the um the standards board. That may have changed in the in the federal law. I'm not even positive that it has, but it certainly hasn't changed here in Washington. So what I'm doing right now is figuring out what do we have to do, and I want our students at PLU to understand what's really the requirement now. So when they go to the schools, many times the school teachers themselves don't know what's changed. Nobody's telling them in a, in a clear, non-wonky way, this is what this really means for you. So I want our students to be knowledgeable about what is and what isn't still on the books and what they need to do to be prepared. Because we need to change. We need to take back our profession in a, in a very big way, that we've had too much federal control and not enough. Um, we can't lose the accountability for the children, but we have to find a way to do that that's exciting and meaningful. And we know a lot about how to do it. So yes, we will be. We we are not there yet because everybody's confused and trying to figure out what does this really mean. What do we have to do? And we don't want to give people bad advice. And then they we say we don't have to do this, and then all of a sudden they get whacked when they get out there, and they did have to do it, and they don't get the job. So that's we're betwixt and between right now.
0: So is the endorsement process for different subjects and um, things like that? Is that pretty similar across state lines? I mean, obviously the not obviously. The majority of, I'm sure, the graduates of our School of Education go on to be teachers in the state of Washington, but many of them will return yep. to where they came from, yep. Alaska, yep. Idaho, Montana, yep. Oregon, Hawaii. And they're um, not
1: consistent. So they're
0: not So how does no. the school account for that, knowing that most of your teachers are going to teach within a 50-mile radius of the university, at least probably to start, but that you don't want to
1: limit? How does that work? The underlying uh, policy drivers of this um, in many cases, the, the the big picture is very similar, and it's fairly sensible. It's when people start adding rules on top of rules, that's what states do. They get involved and they do different things, we we included. And so I, we want them to be able to go anywhere in the state of Washington because it is the same set of standards across the state. We want them to understand. I want them well, – I won't say I because it's not me that's controlling it, but our program – Um, wants to be able to communicate, here's the standards you'll be teaching to. Here's what you need to understand. If you're going to do science or social sciences or um, something in a specific content area, especially at that secondary level where that content becomes the driver of your job, then you need to understand the field that you're in, and you should be current on the research that's happening in that field. And um, the rules of the game are you're going to have to pass the West E., in a content area that is one of these exams that we do in our state, and I think most states do it, but I frankly haven't studied we yeah. The, the variety of that that's out there, but I'll be doing it in the next yeah. few <laughs> years. So we prepare them for something that's broad-based enough that they might have to go to another state and take another test or something. They might, sure. they might have to take a course, but probably not. There's a lot of transfer agreements across the country among states. So if you've got quality work in your program, it pretty much will translate to other states across state lines.
0: Gotcha. Of the uh close to a dozen people that sent in questions, a lot of them had questions around diversity and racial competency and how do we prepare our education majors who are gonna go be teachers in uh maybe
1: in very diverse settings.
0: Diverse settings yeah, and maybe yeah. very diverse settings than they than they grew up in. You know, we still know that PLU is yeah. a very predominantly white, uh changing but predominantly white student Mm -hmm. body, how do we prepare students to be effective teachers in diverse communities to all sorts of, to students probably in particular with much different backgrounds than their own? And then a lot of people's questions honed in on, is part of that diversifying the faculty in the program?
1: I think here at PLU, I listened in the last couple of weeks to all of the um, orientation to the new faculty, and, and I got to be part of that as a dean. I learned listen to Tom Kreis, our president, um, make his opening presentation, and it was all about he he devoted half of his presentation to a listening tour from our students on our campus who are from diverse perspectives and talking about how they feel when they come to campus so one we are trying we we have a strong equity focus in our mission, and we are recruiting first generation and very diverse students, and the numbers here are changing. That means we've got students from a whole variety of backgrounds here on the campus, and the first thing, for our job one, is making sure they feel welcome, they feel included, that we're learning from one another because our experiences, as you said, are very, very different in what their high school and and middle school and just upbringing. And all of a sudden, there's a student that's quite uh, has a quite unique background that's here on campus. Does anyone even notice them? Do they do they do they get welcomed? And then as they go into the coursework, are our multicultural classes, there are undergraduate requirements for people to look at diversity and multicultural perspectives in the world and how does that impact the way we deal with each other. And then when we have the students get in our program, when we do need to diversify our faculty, we just had a big discussion about that this morning of who we have in the education department. Um, it's one of the discussions the kinesiology folks will be having. Our faculty is not diverse enough and it was a big issue in the last two weeks of all of the pre-sessions that we did for the students and for the, for the faculty. And there's a lot of institutional barriers that are out there that keep diverse people out of positions and higher ed in the past has been a pretty strong bastion of we've we've got the academy culture Absolutely. and we you know and so how do we break into that and find people that have high quality skills so that we don't just bring someone in because they're diverse we bring someone in who's a talent who also is going to get us, because of their background, to to learn from each other and to model for students, hey, there's somebody teaching my class that's a full professor, and is an African-American woman. And her experiences, I didn't even think about it, what she did when she was a kid, and now she's here in this classroom. If I'm, a, if I'm an African-American student, wow. I mean, Linda Brown was talking to us, um, our new provost, about her experience as a student and her family. And the the things that she went through to and now all her brothers and sisters and her are here are in this positions like hers in different fields around the country. That is a an incredible thing for a young person to hear. Hey, if she did that, she looks pretty snazzy. She's pretty smart. She's the provost here, and yet she started from a place that's kind of like where I'm starting. So maybe I could go there. That's that's why. Diversifying the student body and the faculty, and then thinking together about what we're learning is so critical to our mission. Because that's who's in those schools out there in the state of Washington or anywhere in the country.
0: That's a really, really fantastic answer, and thank you for kind of speaking so candidly about that.
1: We, have to, we, we we have to walk our talk here. I mean, as I said in the beginning, I came for the mission, and the mission's me. The mission means we reach out and we respect and care for and support and serve others as well as ourselves. So
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Switching gears back to the kinesiology uh-huh. side of the School of Education and Kinesiology, we have a question from Brandon Lee Searly who graduated in 2016, just last year, and he's now a personal trainer and a jazz musician and is wow. a kinesiology major. He's a great, he has a jazz band who uh, just performed at orientation oh, a, lot, uh, a week or wow. two ago. They're fantastic. And he writes with kinesiology being such a competitive and emerging field, what separates the PLU program from what other universities are, are offering in their kinesiology programs?
1: Oh, from other universities around the country or I think so. around yeah. the state, yeah. Um, well, I, I don't, I can't, I can't really answer that um, from my own experience because I haven't gone and checked it out. But I looked at the. I've looked at the numbers. I've looked at the um, growth over time. I, mean, I I do know we have grown tremendously on this campus. And the people that I met Friday when we were having our first real kind of in-depth discussion together to help me understand and be a better leader for them, the, the diversity and the passion of the faculty members that are in this field, they um, – I I don't know what other universities do and the kinesiology folks are struggling with space um there there's a lot of things that they would like to see to support what they do but th- those things aren't getting in the way of having the program grow. I think um so I really I really don't know how to answer his question about the other universities but this group has um tied into, uh, they're, they're making a deal with Pierce College so that we have a sort of reverse transfer um, thing so that students can take some of the courses from us and they can count at Pierce and vice versa. I mean, there's ways to trade. Interesting. Um, they're always seeking, the, the department members, the faculty are, are always seeking new ways to connect with nursing or with the sciences. And because their work is about science and it's about health. It's about the physical realm of life. It's about psychology. Um, they connect up with uh, across the whole university with some of the undergraduate courses, and then then students realize the the opportunities in the field, so they jump into the majors, and the growth in the majors is is great as well. Um, so I I think the passion here from the faculty and the leadership of the department that I met is what's making it grow, is what's making it such a vital um, department. And um, I don't know how much people understand about education, never mind how much they understand about kinesiology, because we have complicated worlds, both of us, in, di- in very different ways. But um, it's these guys are unstoppable.
0: I'm wondering about all the different sectors that a kinesiology degree may lead to, mm-hmm. um, you know, the corporate sector um, and human resources to public education, of course, what we would probably think physical of first therapy, physical therapy, clinics, yep. and then the seemingly almost limitless graduate schools that it might point one towards. It seems like the process of advising a student academically and career advising or you know, internship advising and resume building is possibly even more of a nuanced thing than on the education side where a lot of students are trying to travel very weird and yeah, yeah. Par- paradigm paths. Is that a challenge do you think that you might need to bring in folks from well, other, think, other departments or how does that they, work?
1: I think the um, the kinesiology people do advising for all their students. They, they work really hard and they are from diverse fields, which I didn't I mean, I still don't understand it completely, but I know a lot more than I did last week uh, before our meeting. They've come in from with different research ideas, um, different realms. So one of the fellows in the department was looking at backpacks in the military and the and the differential thing for women and men with the heavy duty military backpacks. And are is there some research about the way to reformat what those backpacks would be like, mm-hmm. um, all the way to um, um, yoga and and. Um, and all of the the sports psychology uh, that many of the students are involved with, but there, the science basis, I, I for me it comes. It, what I love so much is it comes back to human beings and how they grow and how they learn, and the physical, emotional, and intellectual dimensions of us as people, and they're all interdependent, and. The kinesiology folks are studying mainly the physical and what, what do you have to understand about that physical and where does that take you in terms of movement in your life and health in your life? But also how do you intrapersonally, how do you get to know yourself better? What what is it for you to set your goals and be a successful person? And that's why um a lot of groups like to use them for advice of how to make a better team or how to make not only an athletic team, but how to make a better team in our in our business. So it isn't just the physical realm. It's a physical, emotional. And then the, it's, it is um, a very intellectual domain as well because there's so much knowledge that can be added to just that basic core that we need stamina and we need emotional uh, understanding of ourselves and others. And then we need to know how to think through problems. How does this backpack have to change so that women who just may have differences in the way their, their spinal structure is or whatever that is that they're doing in the research, so they can carry the, the backpack that's as heavy as the guy down the street yeah, and, and still be a good soldier and not break their back in the process of doing it. Mm-hmm. So it can get um, – it, it, science is, is everywhere
0: Absolutely, um, that's really interesting.
1: And and for because the 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 group as a whole, and I don't know enough yet about the kinesiology team, but the group as a whole has such a varied experience background that among them there is a lot of interesting advising, all the way from aging issues and um, what about falling. Um, Harry, one of the faculty, was talking about some of the research that he's done, um, and and how does balance and it's just so much variety that I don't care what you were thinking about doing. There's someone in that department that could help you, and if Harry didn't know it, he might send him to Charlie. You know, it's so so that's what I think is unique about them.
0: That's really, so. that's really interesting. So that's all the time that we have to talk uh, today. What's the best way for alumni or students or anyone to reach you? Is that going to be your PLU email?
1: My PLU email would be great. It's just B-E-R-G-E. Is that six letters? T-M. Or is well, it Bergeson? We'll put it in
0: the notes of, <laughs> okay. of, of the pod. It's a tough thing to do, just to recite yeah. an email. Yeah. Uh, we'll put that in, in the notes of the pod. And thank you so much for, for joining us I, and, I really, and the conversation. Uh, thank you
1: very much for the invitation to come. It's a, I'm very happy. That I joined this organization, this university, and um, I hope to be able to make as strong a contribution as possible. We're lucky to have you. you. Thanks, Terry. All right.